0: Church online family, thanks for joining us today. Many of you know that today is Palm Sunday on the Easter celebration calendar, it marks the Sunday before the Friday that Jesus died on the cross, or what we know as Good Friday. And the reason why it's called Palm Sunday is connected to the following story from Mark chapter 11. Now, just a side note. I had every intention at being at or past this point in Mark by today. My plan was to be at the resurrection by Easter. However, you know that we are currently in Mark chapter 6. So unless we want to spend the next seven hours catching up, we ain't going to make it. All that to say is for those who are wondering, I have no idea when we're going to finish Mark. Uh, What I do know is that our extended time in Mark won't be a waste. Mark is all about Jesus, and our vision for 2022 is to focus on Jesus. So that works for us. Anyways, Mark chapter 11 says this. It says now, And they went and found a colt tied at a door outside in the street, and they untied it. And some of those standing there said to them, What are you doing, untying the colt? And they told them what Jesus had said, and they let them go. And they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks on it, and he sat on it. How many of you know that this picture is not of Jesus? This is Obi-Wan Kenobi, and he used to do this wave of a hand called the Jedi mind trick to use the force to get people to do what he wanted them to do. And for some reason, whenever I read this story, I always picture the disciples uh, doing that wave, of saying, like, you know, the, the Lord has need of it, and they would obey. Anyways, Mark chapter 11, verse 7 goes on to say, Notice how it says that Jesus entered Jerusalem, which was on a Sunday, and the crowd spread branches or palms on the ground, hence Palm Sunday. Now, here's the thing about Palm Sunday. The same crowd that yelled, Hosanna, is the same one that would eventually yell, crucify him a few days later. They rightly celebrated Jesus in a messianic way, but they missed something important. that he he was actually the Messiah, actually the Savior. You know, we miss important things today too, even in the church. For example, we live in a very busy culture. We value productivity and treat full schedules as a badge of honor. And again, even in the church, and don't get me wrong, hard work and productivity is good. God wants us to be fruitful and active. 2 Thessalonians 3 tells us that we shouldn't be lazy. And Jesus says that he came to give us an abundant life, which can simply mean a full, active life. But did you know that God highly values rest? We often miss this important value in our busyness. In fact, Hebrews 4 describes the life that Jesus is is inviting us into, the, the eternal life, as a life of rest. The kingdom of God is an invitation into rest. How refreshing is that? And we see Jesus teach this value in Mark chapter 6, where verse 30, it says, And the apostles returned to Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. Okay, so where were they returning from? Well, remember a little bit ago that Jesus had sent them out two by two with his authority to preach the kingdom of God. And now they had finished that work and returned to Jesus, verse 31. And he said to them, Come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest for a while. For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. Does that description sound like your life? A life of coming and going with no leisure even to eat? You know, the, the disciples were busy just like we are busy. And how does Jesus reply? He saying, oh, come on, come on, boys. The, the most, this is the most important mission in the world and time is short and time is money so you can rest when you're dead. No, he, he says, come away by yourself and, and rest a while with the phrase rest written in command form as if to say you have been faithful and, and this is the most important mission in the world, but rest. Is also very important in my kingdom. Therefore, I command you to rest. Verse 32 and they went away in the boat to a desolate place by themselves. I wonder how many of us could obey this command today. Like if we heard Jesus say to us, Come away with me and rest for a while. Could you go? Would you go? And if you're replying, No, is that because you truly can't? or because you truly won't, because maybe you don't value rest in the same way that Jesus does. Verse 33, Now many saw them going and recognized them, and they ran there on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. If the busy life that we see from the disciples felt familiar, I'm sure this does too. Because what happens even when we try to rest? Our work follows us only for us instead of thousands of people following we have thousands of texts and phone and phone calls and 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 emails following us and we think you know what this is why i can't rest i have too many important things To do. And initially, Jesus seems to give in to this kind of excuse. Verse 34 And when he went ashore, he saw a great crowd and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. You know, if if I was a disciple, I would be a little bit confused. You know, you commanded us to rest, but when we get interrupted, it's back to work. So, do we value work or rest? And I believe that's a relevant question for us today because many of us could really use three vacations right now. We are stinking tired. We need the rest, but we're also working hard to support our families and our dreams. Additionally, many of us are working for the kingdom of God, which is the most important thing in the world. So we know we need the rest, but there's so much work to do. And according to verse 34, it seems like Jesus is giving us permission to prioritize work over rest, and it seems justified. No, when Jesus dropped the rest for work, it says that he, uh, he did so because he had compassion on them because they were like a sheep without shepherd. Last week, we talked about how our world is filled with broken and hurting people, and there's a lot of them. Many of our neighbors and coworkers and family members and friends are wandering around looking for hope, and we have the only hope that can truly change their lives. So how can we rest if that is the case? Romans 10 says, how then will they call on him whom they haven't believed? And how are they to believe in him who they've never heard of? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And so we begin to justify things like saying, you know what, the Father is always at work and Jesus is always at work, and so people need to hear the gospel, so we got to work too. Now, I guess we could maybe make the excuse of, oh, well, you know what, that that was Jesus and he didn't need to rest because he's God, and, and there's some truth to that. But then we're challenged by verses like Philippians 2, which says, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility— Count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. And then verse 5 says, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. In other words, the scriptures encourage us to live just like Jesus did. And just like Jesus considered others' needs as more significant than his own, so should we. And then we begin to say, see, I knew I couldn't rest. And before those of you who are listening right now and and was and were really looking forward to hearing more about the prioritization of rest in God's kingdom, the rest that you really need, but now seems to be once again out of reach, before you give up, hang in there. I promise that this rest is coming, but we must deal with a very real problem present reality. Because right now, in the here and now, there are going to be times when we truly sacrifice rest for the kingdom of God. We truly need rest, and God values rest. But at times, we sacrifice that rest because, right now, God's mission is too important. And what mission is that? Well, it's the same mission that Jesus and his disciples had, which was go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. Anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved, but anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. You know, Paul, the apostle, said it this way, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. That's our mission. God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. That's what we're going around telling everyone. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That is our mission. And the salvation of souls deserves the sacrifice of sleep. That being said, let me assure you, it doesn't mean that we ignore the need and value for rest. Verse 35, and when it grew late, his disciples came to him and said, this is a desolate place and the hour is late. Remember that phrase, desolate. Verse 36, send them away to go into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. At face value, this seems like a reasonable request. Jesus, these people have been here all day, and we have nothing to eat, and it's getting dark. We should send them into the neighboring towns so that they can find food. And while I'm sure that was part of the reasoning behind the disciples' statement, the sense of the passage is actually, Jesus, send all these fools away so they can find something to eat. And what they find, I really don't care because that ain't my problem. And what's hidden underneath this statement is the disciples really thinking, I don't care how broken these people are. Send them away because I am tired. You ever notice how it's really hard to be compassionate when you're tired? I got to be honest. I'm a terrible Christian when I'm tired. When I'm tired, I am not patient, not compassionate, and not sacrificial. I just want to go to sleep. And I get this sense that the disciples are here too. But then Jesus really stretches them. Verse 37, but he answered them, you give them something to eat. And they said to him, shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give it to them to eat? And in case it's unclear, the tone in the disciples' response is disrespect. Being tired makes you respond in crazy ways, even to the King of Kings. They're like, excuse me, Jesus, you're tripping. How are we going to feed all these people? Even if we had a year's worth of money, it wouldn't feed all of them. Chick-fil-A couldn't feed all these people. And I get the feeling that this story is starting to hit some of you close to home. Because maybe you've been following Jesus and you want to faithfully serve him, but You're tired, and following Jesus seems like a lot of work. Then Jesus be coming along and asking you to do crazy things, and you're like, Are you serious, Jesus? I'm tired. And now you're going to ask me to do these impossible things? And if that's you, first off, know that you are in good company. As we read, the disciples who eventually changed the world experienced this feeling. But also know that Moses, one of the greatest leaders in the Bible, felt that way too. When Moses was leading the Israelites out of Egypt, they started complaining because there wasn't enough food. And Moses was like, Lord, there are 600,000 foot soldiers here with me. And yet you said, I will give them meat for a whole month. Even if we butchered all of our flocks and herds, would that satisfy them? Even if we caught all the fish in the sea, would that be enough? You're in good company. But secondly, hang in there because what Jesus is really doing here is he's strategically setting us up for some important lessons that we can't miss. So hang in there. Verse 38, And he said to them, How many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they found out, they said, Five and two fish. So here's the first lesson. When we're tired, the best way to serve with the compassion of Jesus is to start by giving what we have. Maybe you're tired and serving an hour is a sacrifice. You know what? Give it. Maybe money's tight and giving $20 is a stretch. Well, give that. Maybe your church really needs help with production or setup and breakdown, and you have no experience with sound equipment but you could drive a trailer. Hey, bring what you got. By the way, that is a real need here at the River Church. And, and, and this is the principle, and, or this is where the principle of rest starts to come back in. You see, when Jesus asks us to sacrificially serve, he only asks us to bring what we have. You don't need to exhaust yourself getting better or doing more. Rest knowing that what you have is enough, and you can give that. And Jesus is going to prove that to us. But before I get to that, I want to speak to maybe any younger people uh, that are listening, maybe people in our River Kids or, or River Youth, because sometimes young people may believe they are too young to make a difference in the kingdom of God. But look at this additional detail that the Apostle John gives in his version of this same story. John 6 says, One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There is a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they for so many? You see, the five loaves and the two fish that the disciples found came from a boy who was willing to give all he had. And for Jesus, That was more than enough. Verse 39, Then he commanded them to sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups by hundreds and by fifties. And taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the people. And he divided the two fish among them all. And they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up, 12 baskets full of broken pieces and of the fish. And those who ate the loaves were 5,000 men. This is so good. Jesus takes the small offering and meets every need. And although it says 5,000 men, there there were likely families there, which means it was probably more like 10,000 people. And Jesus took what they had, and supernaturally multiplied it to satisfy every need. You know, the disciples were tired and cranky, and they had nothing to give but a small measure of faith. And a boy gave a couple of filet fishes that he had got for, he got two of them for five bucks. But Jesus takes these small faith offerings, and he does above and beyond all that they could ask or think. He abundantly satisfies every need. Now imagine what Jesus could do with what little you have. If you would just give it to him, he could radically change your world. Because this story hints at how Jesus would one day radically change the entire world. You know, similar to our story here in Mark 6, anyone willing to give what faith they have to Jesus would find every need met, specifically our greatest need, which is salvation from sin and death. Because isn't that the gospel, that the debt of sin against us is immeasurable, and because God is holy, he must judge sin, someone has to pay for it, and if we can't pay our own debt, the consequence for us is eternal death, eternal separation from God. And whether we want to admit it or not, we all sense this impending doom against us. Why else would we go around through this life trying to make up for our wrongs by doing good, hoping to tip the proverbial scales of justice in our favor, yet also realizing we never seem to make a dent in our debt? And we're flat out exhausted trying to be good. Some of us have even given up on trying to be good because it feels like trying to feed 10,000 people with five loaves and two fish. It feels impossible. Yet Jesus says, bring it all to me. Cast your cares upon me and I'll meet every need because I care, I have compassion on you. Because on the cross, he met every need by paying for every sin. He did all the work so that we could rest forever. And speaking of rest, did you notice this in verse 39? Verse 39 says, Then he commanded them all to sit down in groups on the green grass. Earlier, I said to remember the word desolate. They had gone to a desolate place to rest. They they went to the wilderness where they thought no one would find them. And so, what is green grass doing there? It's supposed to be desolate. Well, it's there because the moment people start putting their faith in Jesus is the moment that everything begins to change. It's the moment when lost sheep find their shepherd. It's the moment when hungry people are abundantly satisfied. It's the moment when creation passes from death to life. And it's the moment that David wrote about hundreds of years before this in Psalm 23, where he says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters and he restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. In this moment, everyone, including the disciples, experienced true rest. You see, sometimes we just need to trust Jesus. Because when it initially seems like he's asking us to sacrifice rest, it's also the moment when he's leading us into better rest. That's what happens here in verse 39. They sat down, they rested, and then Jesus went to work. And in that moment, they found Rest that was far better than purely being inactive, because they were resting now in the power and presence of God, which is really what our tired souls need. You see, God doesn't command us to have self-centered rest, but to have divine relational rest. That's what's important. He wants us to experience eternal, life-giving rest that's only found in and with Him. And we find that rest when we're willing to trust God in every circumstance. And so as we close, what kind of rest is Jesus inviting you into? Do you need to prioritize rest? Are you tired because you never take a day off? You know, though this message largely involved an interrupted vacation, it, it does not negate the importance of regular rest. Because like I said earlier, Jesus commands us to rest, to rest regularly. Jesus himself practiced this, and we need to rest. Therefore, let the Spirit restore your soul through some sleep. And don't worry, Jesus is fully able to take care of your life when you rest by faith, when you trust him to rest as he commanded. But maybe you need a greater rest, a rest for your soul. Have you been hesitant to put your faith in Jesus because you still think that your good works is what's going to get you into heaven? And, 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 and because of that, do you feel your soul is tired because that plan isn't working and you're exhausted trying to be good? Then remember this that Jesus already did all of the work on the cross. And he isn't asking you to work. He's calling you to receive his rest. And he promises to abundantly satisfy every need when you do. On the first Palm Sunday, Jesus came to the city that he loved, to Jerusalem, to offer rest for their souls. But they missed it. Today, Jesus is still offering eternal rest to the people he loves, to us. Don't miss it. Turn from your sin and trust him with your lives. Hebrews 4 says, So there is a special rest still waiting for the people of God. For all who have entered into God's rest have rested from their labors, from their work, just as God did after creating the world. There is a greater experience of rest that awaits us today. Let's pray. Father, we need your rest today. We need you to give our souls rest. We need you to give our bodies rest. Today, Jesus, I want to offer what I have to you and say, do whatever you need to do to restore my life because I am tired but I believe you are faithful to give my tired spirit new life. And so forgive me for all the times I haven't been willing to trust you, to trust you and rest. And thank you for your compassion towards me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Hey, thank you for joining us for Church Online. If this was your first time, please fill out a Connect card. We would love to say hi to you and even send you a gift. Also, if you would like to know more about the River Church, have a prayer request, or if you've decided to put your faith in Jesus today and rest, we want to hear from you. And there is an easy way to do that on our website, riverchurchct.com, or you can text the keyword TRC Connect to 94000. God bless you. Have a wonderful day.